Hi, I'm Shalushi Baxi Ritchie. And I'm Kosha Baxi Karstens. We are sisters and best friends who grew up in the middle of Illinois, two little brown girls in a heartland farming community. We were really loved. We had a lot of friends, but we never felt like we fully fit in. We started to realize that there's probably a lot of other people who felt similarly othered. And that realization was a seed for this podcast. Then during the 2020 election, we watched now Vice President Harris reclaim her power and story from Mike Pence, and we got inspired. We want to hear, share, and amplify the voices of all Americans who have felt othered. We want to give everyone a platform to reclaim their power and their place by standing up and saying, I am speaking. Hey, welcome friends. We're in October. It's almost time for Halloween. Um, and one of the things we're going to talk about with our guests today is how we put on masks and misrepresent who we are to fit in, considering that it, Halloween is coming up and how we pretend to be other people um, and what kind of toll that can take on, on a person who's really having to hide their identity. This really hit home for me in a lot of ways because Gretchen is from a really small town and so much of her mask wearing was because of the prejudices and the judgment that this small town, this conservative small town clearly had. And as our listeners know, uh, you know, you and I, Shayla, she, we're from, we grew up in a really small town and I felt that, you know, I felt that. And there were times like we couldn't put on a mask. Our, our brownness was out there for all to see. And there were times I wanted to wear a mask. I wanted to hide that, but listening to Gretchen, I'm like, maybe it's good that I couldn't because I would have, and it would have hurt me to push that away and hide it and suppress it. Absolutely. You know, we're going to hear another story of how someone had to repress who they were and it affected their mental health really badly. Um, and we're also going to, in the same story, we're going to hear Gretchen talk about their bravery and, and their decision to really, what it meant to be themselves, to live fully as themselves and you know how hard that was. Um, it was really fun to talk to her. It was such a great time. You know, and there's, like you said, there's a lot that resonate because we, you know, both did grow up in a small town and there's a lot that's different. Um, and yet I feel like what we're seeing this season is like the same sorts of underlying themes that come up and a lot of connections between all of the points of light that we've been able, you know, to speak with. Yes. I do want to mention here a trigger warning that there is discussion about self-harm and uh, suicide. Uh, other than that, I think it was really amazing to hear Gretchen's story. She's young. She's learning who she is every single day. And I think um, she's brave. Yeah, absolutely. And we definitely want more of that in the world. We had a great time speaking with her. Take a listen. She is speaking. Hi, I am Gretchen and I am speaking. Hi, Gretchen. Hi, Hi. thanks for joining us. Thank you for coming no on. 
Thank you for having me. So exciting. Uh, we don't, uh, we haven't, Kosha, I don't believe, spoken with someone who identifies in the ways that Gretchen does. We have not. Right? We have had, so Gretchen, before we start, can you tell us how you identify? I identify as a cisgendered female. I am bisexual, but I am also demisexual. And what are your, pro what are your pronouns? Uh, she, her, hers. Awesome. Awesome. So we, Shayla, she and I are both, um, the, she, no, wow. Shayla, she and I are both, this is where I go, like, I can edit that. Shayla, she and I are both the she, her series. Uh, we did have someone who is Demi on, but not, uh, and then we had another person who was bi, and they were actually in a polyamorous marriage, but we haven't had someone who was both. So it just goes to show kind of how individualized these identities mm -hmm. really are. Yeah. I also think it'll be very interesting as we talk to you for our listeners to hear that the two of you don't represent the entire community, just like Kosha and I don't represent the entire South Asian diaspora. But to hear maybe some, some differences about how uh, you experience the world and what your identities are and how you experience them versus what you know our other guests have. So let's, let's just jump right into it. Um, so you are, you, like you said, you identify as demisexual and bisexual. So from your perspective, talk about what that means to you. To me, for the bisexual part, it's pretty self-explanatory. Like I'm attracted to boys and girls. And then for the demisexual, the, in, in layman's terms, it's you don't feel sexual attraction until an emotional like bond is made. And that's how I am. Like just, I will date someone. I'm currently trying to date someone, but like the whole sexual feeling doesn't come into play unless we like deeply know each other. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. I wanted to ask you, and of course, you know, you can always be like, no, I haven't thought about that. Uh, previous guests talked about how they identify as bisexual and talked about the difference for them to identify that way instead of being pansexual. So I'm curious if you have any thoughts about, you know, for you, what, what it means to be bisexual versus pansexual. For me, being bisexual is, this might sound bad, but I'm attracted more to the binary. But I, because for pansexual, it is like absolutely everybody on the spectrum. And that like kind of scares me. And I find comfort in the bisexuality because it's two choices based on the array of choices. And I have nothing against like pansexual people in that because it's like good for you. That's just, it's not for me. Sure. And one of the things I think is really interesting as we're learning in, the, in our conversations, much like other forms of identity, sexual identity, how you identify who you are attracted to, uh, doesn't conform to any kind of morality laws. It doesn't conform to any kind of political correctness or, you know, nowadays wokeness laws um, or our, even our evolving understanding of sexual identity and gender identity. You just, you like who you like and that's how it works. Exactly. And sometimes, 
and sometimes what we've noticed too is that it's it's generational like the the terminology that you know people use uh we had someone on anna who identifies as queer if she was 15 years older queer was super derogatory but now the queer community has kind of repurposed it reclaimed it and Mm -hmm. she feels much more comfortable calling herself queer than gay or lesbian so i think a lot of it is when and where you exist you know like pansexual is a relatively new term yeah maybe in you know 15 years you're gonna be like oh actually i am pansexual or you're gonna be bisexual i mean i i think what i'm saying is like just because you identify as one thing yeah. right now doesn't mean that you're always you have to be that thing. no you said you're bisexual that's what you are for a while, I just thought like I was sick, like girls aren't supposed to like other girls. And at one point I was like, maybe I was supposed to be born a boy. And then I thought, no, that's not right either. I'm a girl. And then, you know, if you Google searches and talking to very close friends later, we come to find out, hey, you're bi. Because I only, growing up, I only ever knew straight or gay. So Yeah. So if you don't mind, talk a little bit about that process of when you're like, oh, this doesn't seem right to me. And then the process of sort of understanding who you were, how did you, not only how did you research it, but like, who did you talk to and what kind of conversations were you having? Particularly, I think for, this will be really helpful, I think for a lot of our older listeners who are not really familiar or not deeply entrenched in sort of how, one, how the internet can really be a helpful tool for people to understand their identities. But secondly, the sort of internal struggles that people are having nowadays, in some ways, because there are so many options. Yeah. Um, so I started maybe questioning myself around about 12 years old, I want to say. There was this show and it had, like, I had a crush on a couple of the guy characters. But I didn't notice at the time. I just thought I really liked her. No, that was a crush. Um, it was Gwen from Total Drama Island. And like, I was kind of like, no, I just like her as a character. But I also kept having like little fantasies in my head of like holding hands and going on a date, little like moonlight kisses, you know, like those stereotypical teen things. And I was like ashamed of that because growing up where I grew up, it was frowned upon. Like if you're gay, like it was just a whole like stereotypical Southern, it's hard to describe without using bad words. All right. Yeah. It was homophobic town. You would be called a faggot. You, uh, it was just so bad. And for a while I was just pushing down these feelings and they got worse as time went on because I really got into anime and I got into a lot of reality shows and I kept getting crushes on both boy characters and girl characters. And I was going to Catholic school around this time. So anyone who's gone to Catholic school knows not not the good thing, quote unquote. And um, seventh grade, my parents um, transferred me out to public school for a whole nother public, like I was getting bullied, but not for this reason eighth grade, I met up with some, I met, like, I found a group of friends, and it just kept getting worse and worse, and I was spending the night at my good friend, Trina, we were spending the night at her house, and we were watching a show, and I was like, Trina, can I tell you something, and she was like, go for it, 
and I explained the whole thing of like, I like girls and boys kind of, but I'm not gay, but I don't feel straight. And she's like, elaborate. And I said, well, only boys can like girls. Does that mean I'm supposed to be a boy? But that can't be right either. And she goes, she goes, Gretchen, you're bi. And I was like, what does that mean? And we had a brief conversation about it. And then the next day I, um, the next day I like barricaded myself in the bathroom in the basement. And I was like doing all these searches online. Like what is bisexuality? Does Catholicism frown bisexuality? And I come to turn, I finally came to terms with it when I was about 15, like this is who I am. Wow, that's that's really quite an inspiring story. I think the fact that you were vulnerable enough to reach out to your friend and sort of share something that, as I'm listening to it, like I'm holding my breath thinking, oh, this could backfire spectacularly. It, it ended up did backfiring. If you want me to elaborate on that, I can, I'll say uh, If you want to, I, that makes me very sad, but I think if there's it more happened. to your story that you'd like to share, absolutely. So um, a little bit of a side with my story. I had a friend, Arthur. He was gay. He was very obviously flamboyant. He still is. Love him. He was pretty open about being gay. And that's something that kind of helped me. But um, he got bullied a lot by uh, male students. Something that would happen regularly to the point where you'd have to hide um, during... PE, you know, you keep your shoes in the locker room. The boys would sneak into the locker room during class and they would jizz on his shoes. Oh no. And that would get to the point where at the end of like, after everyone got dressed, Arthur would get dressed faster. And even he never told me, but I assume things happened while he tried to get dressed and he would run to the girls locker room and pass me his sneakers. Like, Hey, you know, just so they don't get that gross smile but anyway so I was I came out to a few people like I'm by this is who I am and my mom had gone on this youth group retreat with my sisters and when she came back she said she had something to talk to me about and I was very confused I was like what do you need to talk to me about and she's like we need to wait until your dad's not in the room and at that point I'm terrified because I'm like what happened did I didn't even think it was about me I thought something had happened to my sisters and what happened was she said that one of the people that went on the youth group and I to this day don't know who told her and it pisses me off because I want to find out who did they had told my mom that I was running around town saying I was gay and my mom discussed with me she's like you're not gay and I remember crying a lot because like I'm gonna cry now, but we're not gonna cry now. But um, you can. I'm not gonna cry because my mascara and my foundation and my eyeliner is very well done. So we can't cry. <laughs> and she's like, I don't understand why you're crying. And it was very hard for me to talk because whenever I'm an ugly crier, I'm a very heavy crier. <laughs> and so it's like once you're starting, it's like can't catch your breath, can't stop. And She's like, you're not. And I said, I remember finally getting it up. And I was like, well, what if I was in between? And I guess my mom knew what bi was because she said, you're not bi either. 
And I'm like, how do you know that? And she said that she just knew I may have mentally blocked off what happened after that because I can't for the life of me remember what happened after that. A few years later, I tried to bring it up again. But once again, apparently I she told me I'm not bi. I'm just inexperienced on relationships because I've only dated once. I still love her. I have no ill will towards her. I did come out with the demi demisexual thing and she seemed okay with that. Just because, you know, no sex before marriage. That's the thing is demisexual is not outside of any, like there's no Catholic who's like. That's a bad idea. Upset about that. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, your mom would be like, so you want me to be upset that you don't have sexual feelings for a person until you are deeply emotionally connected. That sounds exactly like what you'd want a child, a, particularly a daughter Girl, in a patriarchal society. Definitely. Right. Like, oh, I, I, that's basically, that's basically like saying, I'm not interested in sleeping around. Yeah. My mom was, my mom isn't like anti-gay or anything. My family's pretty like, okay with it. My brother, it's, he thinks it's a choice, but that's, that's him. But like, he's okay. He's chill with me. My mom is okay with bi people. Like we've talked about it and gay people. She just doesn't think I am. And at one point she was saying things like, well, could I have some proof? And I just remember thinking, mother, you don't want the proof you seek. You don't want the proof you seek. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I get it. Laugh. It's funny. It's funny. What I just want, like, I'm a scientist. Okay. I'm all about data points. I'm all about doing the research, but mom, what is it that you want me to show you? She thinks I'm not by because I have a specific taste in men, but she doesn't know my specific taste in women because I know that it's just going to lead to that whole conversation again. So I just don't bring it up. I think my dad might kind of know because we were watching We Are the Millers and there is a scene where the woman who plays Rose, she was in Friends, I forgot her name, but she does like a strip scene and my dad was like- Was it Jennifer Aniston? Yes, Jennifer Aniston was doing that strip scene. And my dad was like, wow, she's hot. And I'm like, yeah. And he just looked at me. And then he just went back to watching TV. Like, it was nothing. He did say something about, like, religiously, but that was, like, before this point. So, like, I just don't even count it. My dad was raised Baptist, so I try to just, like, that's how you were brought up. If I were to come out on my dad's side of the family, they would disown me, like, legally with paperwork. Wow. How many, siblings, how many siblings do you have, Gretchen? I am the oldest of six, so I have five younger siblings. That's a lot of responsibility too. It is. And uh, I'm glad they're all old enough to take care of themselves now. <laughs> My dad is an only child. Oh, okay. So I have no answer uncles, like immediate answer uncles on that side. I don't even know that side very well. I just know they're Baptist and homophobic. Yeah. Wow. I think one thing that you said that, well, you said many things that were quite interesting. Um, the thing that really resonates with me and we've heard people say this before on our podcast is like either people don't want to believe it at first how people's own internal like this is who I am 
so they say things like, well, that's not true. Like your parents, you know, your mom did to you. Like, that's not true. That's not who you are. Or they'll do things like they'll say things like, well, it's just a phase, which is a silly thing to say uh, for several reasons, as we've talked about. One, it's probably not a phase. If you feel very strongly, you people know who they are. That's one thing. But the second thing is like, so what? So what if it's a phase? You have to go through phases to get to the next part of your life. And so to sort of dismiss it as like, oh, that's not you. Your mom has taken this in a different direction a bit, which is like, show me the proof. Otherwise you're just making it up. She wasn't like actively asking for proof. It was more along the lines of, I don't see the, I don't see proof. No, no, no. And there's different ways of saying that, right? Like you don't have to be blatantly like, I want to see you making out with another woman to prove it. Which I say, mom, that ruins the mood. You're in the room. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. This is not family guy, mother. It's also kind of a, a strange thing to ask a kid, which is like, I, I don't know, prove it. I was 16 when she said that. The question is, what, what is the proof that's going to make sense to you? There's nothing that, that you can offer except for like 20 minutes of experience, literally inside your own head being like, all right, now you need to just experience what I experienced. That's not possible. So it's kind of like, it's another one of these, like dismiss it. it it's a phase or it's not what it is. Well, and, and we also, we don't ask 15 or 16 year olds to prove that they're straight. Right. Straight is the, the default, right? If, if you were from my town, they are so obviously straight. It almost hurts. <laughs> because they're being demonstrative, right? Yeah. They're performing, they're doing it. Um, and I mean, so here's the thing. So you, you're from a very small town in the South. Mm-hmm. Shayla, she and I grew up in a very small town. Probably in the middle of Illinois. In yeah. the middle of Illinois, probably similar. And it, and my husband is from a very small town in um, Michigan and Shayla, she's husband is from a very small town in Wisconsin. We apparently have a type, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, you know, for, for Justin, for Shayla, she's husband, it was like, if you didn't fit into that football playing bro freaking basketball even track or just football stars you are done you are outcasted holy crap you're gay you're you must be gay dude if you can't fit here what's interesting is this like show me proof brian and i we got to know this older gay couple and they came to come out and be together like in their 50s or something they were they were older yeah i know it was really sweet they were so sweet they had matching like bathrobes it was really cute but one of them (laughs) one of them was was married and his son is gay and i guess his ex-wife was like i can't imagine my son being with a man and the other one michael was like yeah i have a suggestion for you don't don't imagine it and honestly like no parent wants to imagine their kid with anybody my parents aren't sitting there thinking about right me having sex with my husband either right like that's not something that parents really want to sit there and think about it's just when it's outside of the heteronormative sphere 
it's like they feel like they have to think about it and imagine it does that make sense it does make sense sorry my youngest sister texted me she's like hey do you know if you have a cabinet shelf in your mini fridge no Sisters text you really weird things at really inappropriate times. I do not know what you're talking about. And I will text you later in point. to question it. <laughs> but then I, I want to pivot a little bit and ask you about, about being demisexual. Clearly you've, you know, defined for us how you, you know, how you interpret that, which is really helpful. Mm-hmm. What I wanted to ask you is a little bit more about sort of how does that, how does that affect how you move? through the world, particularly when you think about romantic relationships, if you're comfortable talking about sort of like the process that you go through when you're thinking about dating and sort of how a relationship might evolve, if, especially if someone is the, your partner or your you know intended partner is not demisexual. All right. Is it okay if I give a little backstory on how I figured out I was demi? Yeah, absolutely. With my town, it was pretty normal that teens dating in my high school were boinking. I like that word boink, but it was obvious that, you know, everyone was making out with everybody. Everybody was having sex with everybody. Fun fact, when I was a sophomore, the graduating senior class that year, half of them had given each other chlamydia, but that's another story. That's a story. We're going to just put that away. Yeah. Yeah. We're just going to get away from that. Anyway, so growing as that, I always thought it was weird because it's like, I'd hear girls my age in class brag about how they had sex on the first gay date, and I would just sit there like, what? Like, it just it made no sense to me. And obviously, I knew what sex was. I'm the oldest of six. My mom's one of 13. Like, I know what sex is. I know these things. I went through puberty also. And, like, it just it made no sense to me. And my friend Trina, who, you know, friend again, I came up to her because she was more knowledgeable about this stuff and I brought it up about how like sex without like connect true connection bothers me and isn't for me and she was like hey dingus you're by you're you're demi and I was like I'm not demi lovato she's like no you're demisexual and I was like elaborate so we elaborated we did some google searches listen to like this video that I can't even find anymore it just made sense I was like oh but then I wondered can I be both these things and Google was like yes you can be both these things thank you Google but in terms of like dating now whenever I'm like thinking about relationships the number one thing with me is I want it to be long term like if I date I want it to be for something not just a casual thing. Like, no, I want it to be serious and like monogamous, you know? And in terms of the sexual thing, I would just hope they would respect it that if we don't have that emotional bond, it's not gonna happen. That's not who I am. And when I do, I'm currently on Bumble, hashtag not sponsored, Like I am talking to this guy right now. The main things I'm looking for in a partner is just honesty and humor. Like, can we get along? Is it going to be long-term? Like the whole sex thing doesn't even come into play in my mind unless we have this strong emotional bond. And I hope that answers your question because that's all I got. (laughs) And it does. It does bring up some additional questions. Number one is do dating apps offer these kind of options? 
for for self-identifying, right? Because I think it would be very important for a potential partner to know, oh, this person is this person. If I want to be talking to this person and I'm interested in them, sex is going to have to be on the back burner for a bit because they won't they won't be interested in me for quite some, you know, won't be interested in moving into a sexual relationship for some period of time that isn't two weeks, right? It's going to take longer than that. It's going to take much longer than that. I was in a six month relationship for my very first relationship. We did, we only kissed. It was like kiss on drywall and we never did hand stuff. We never had sex. And when people found out about that after the breakup, everyone was so weirded out. Like, is it his Jesus thing? And I didn't want to explain it. And I, everyone knew I was Catholic. So I just said, yes, it's a Jesus thing. That's a fair cover, right? There's also no reason that you owe anyone an explanation about how you choose to behave in any way, if, if it's not hurting anyone. And this is hurting nobody. And it was obviously consensual between you and you know your previous partner to say, no, we're both comfortable with this and it's no one else's business, but ours. And knowing that it could actually hurt you if you chose to identify and explain and go through it. This was after um, my mom had asked me after that youth group trip, if you remember a little bit back, whenever I said that someone had told her, so I didn't want to go through that again. Exactly. And just knowing how your small town reacted to people who were outside of like being cisgender or heteronormative, I definitely think being like, yeah, it's a Jesus thing. Like, just move on. And like, you don't owe anyone anything and nor should you feel like you ever need to say anything about yourself that people don't deserve. Your friend Trina, is she the only one who knew that you were bi? No. Um, Trina knew. My friend Arthur knew. This other girl I knew, she knew. My friend Leona knew. I'm like, I'm going down the line. Saria knew and my sister, we'll call her Lily. She knew. It was funny when I came out to Lily, she said, oh, I know. And I was like, what? And she's like, it was obvious. And I'm like, what made it obvious? And she said, you cuff your jeans and wear plaid. And I was like, how dare you? But she just knew. And she said she did not care. She's like, you are who you are. And I remember crying. I was so happy. Yeah, just because if she was the old, I was like, then you know who told people at the youth group, but you don't know. I don't because the only people that knew were my little bit of friends. And my sister is like, I know Lily didn't tell mom. One of the things we've been exploring this season particularly is the internet and its role in helping people figure out who they are and, and connect with other people who, you know, are sort of in their same situation or for whom they can take some comfort in company with. You know, you said you were furiously looking stuff up in the, you know, the downstairs bathroom um, you know, barricaded yourself in there. Can you talk a little bit about how, you know, how the internet has made a difference in your life? If you think 20 years ago, they did go to a school for kids who were gifted in math and science. And there's a kid a year ahead of me. So I graduated in 1994 from high school. So a kid who graduated in 1993, who's one of the co-founders of YouTube. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. That's yes. crazy. Yeah, it is. It is pretty surreal. Um, but I, when my kids get a little bit rabble rousy about being bored or this and that, I was like, hey, YouTube. Y'all got YouTube. You got Google. You got all this. Well, and YouTube is not even 20 years old. That's a crazy no, thing. It's, it's 20 years old. It's not even 30 years old. I'm 45. So 
it's not even 30 years old. It's like 25 years old, maybe. Maybe it's probably more like 20 years old. So hey, context here. All of the things that are available to you now were not available to you then. It's 16 years old. Oh, it's not even 20 years old? Then I can't It's not even 20 years old. That makes me feel old. February of 2005. Dang, I was like four when that came out. Anyway. So there's a whole generation of people like you who have grown up not not knowing that the internet didn't exist, not being able to have all these resources at their fingertips. And when we talk to people who are a little bit older, it's they're almost like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I would have done without the internet. For a long time, I felt like I was crazy or I, you know, I, there's something wrong with me. So can you talk a little bit about uh, sort of how the internet has helped or hurt you? This might get a little heavy, just a heads up, a little trigger warning, whatever you want to call it. Um, the internet did help me in ways of obviously with a quick search of what is bisexuality, what is demisexuality. And it helped me also understand it further because I found blogs, I found videos, found all this stuff to where it was expressed in great detail. You know, it said all this information that I didn't have any access to unless I had the internet, obviously, from where I'm from. It also helped me connect with a few people. I had an internet friend, Lisa, and I found, I connected with her over a fan fiction website, but we both bonded over the LGBTQ side of that fan fiction site. So I had someone who wasn't really like, her family was very positive about it from a big city, so we both came from two different worlds, but kind of like the princess and the pauper scenario, we were both the same. And without the internet and without learning all this stuff, without meeting Lisa, I'm going to be honest, I was getting very, I was very depressed around this time too, due to bullying, but that's because I was a weird kid. Doesn't mean I deserved it, but I would have probably killed myself. I was depressed from school. I was depressed that I couldn't express or talk about what was going on with me in terms of sexuality. And I was super confused. If I didn't have that for information to help me out, if I didn't have this one person, because during Catholic school days, I only had one friend and she got diagnosed with leukemia, so she was out. I had nobody and it sucked. So I only had Lisa. So without that, I'm gonna be honest, I would have killed myself. I'm glad that we had, I had the internet to give me the information of knowing it doesn't, being this way doesn't mean that you're a mistake or that you're supposed to die. Like, no. And the internet also helped me with my depression. And then obviously going into therapy helped too, once that was brought up to the table with my parents. The internet is just like, it is, it is classified as an information tool and that's what it is. It helped me. I mean, did it give me all the answers? Absolutely not. Experience and talking with some friends gave me more answers than personal answers than what the internet could have given me. It gave me the tools, the vocabulary to figure out what this is, what it's about, where I can meet different people similar to me where I can get more information. I keep saying information, information, but that's true. That's what the internet did for me in my little hovel in the downstairs bathroom. 
I was curled up with my Harry Potter blanket in there because it got cold. <laughs> fun little fact. <laughs> fun fact. We get into a, a groove of, of bitching about the internet and social media and like all the shit it can do. Definitely. But over, like time and time again, as Shayla, she said, in this season we're hearing all of these like wonderful things about people who have been saved because of the internet we had someone on a few episodes ago who um, is a good friend of mine who is asexual and she I mean the words that you use are like hauntingly similar to the words you know I thought I was sick I thought I was broken I thought I wasn't supposed I was a mistake you know a lot of times the internet is you're actually like what is wrong with me, right? Like you're typing in to Google, like, what is wrong with me? I don't want to have sex with anybody. Said. That was actually, I'm not even going to joke. That was my Google search for yes. when I was yes. trying to figure out Demi's sexuality. Exactly. You're, I mean, that really is, you know, what people are looking for. And then it's like, oh, wait, asexuality.org or, or demisexual forums and stuff. And um, that, I think, you know, is, is such a beautiful thing because knowing, being from a tiny little town, knowing how suffocating that could be, how judgmental and closed-minded and conservative those worlds can be, thank you for sharing how that affected your mental health. If we don't talk about this, if we don't share our stories, if we don't connect, it leads to suicide. We know this. And the LGBT community youth are some of the most high risk for suicide. And so I applaud you and I appreciate your vulnerability and openness to say that that's what happened. These are the important stories that we need to talk about. And when I did get into therapy, uh, fun fact, I entered therapy after having a mental breakdown at one of my jobs to the point where they had to call my mom to get me out of the freezer. But my mom asked me, she's like, I noticed that you're like this a lot. Cause I think it was very obvious I was sad. I would lie about my school life at Catholic school. Like, how was your day? My day was absolute horseshit. But I would say my day was great. I would make up a story about something that happened that day. I did. When I entered therapy, I got better. I've been told that I am like 12 times better than I was because I got to talk to my therapist about my sexuality, how I'm struggling with it, um, struggling with terms of like who I am and then terms of the bullying and stuff. And that really helped me. And I wish more youth have the option of going to therapy because it really helps to talk about these things and when you keep it bottled up it can boil and it can turn into this black inky monster that just follows you around all the time and you can't control it or anything and then therapy gives you the tools to kind of control it like put it on a leash almost absolutely so i have anxiety I have severe anxiety and it's, it's hard to explain because, you know, I have a friend who also suffers from severe anxiety and our joke is always, uh, have you thought, have you tried not worrying? You know, because that's what people say. <laughs> Maybe just don't worry about it until tomorrow. You can't do anything about it until next week. So don't worry about it. And people, you know, with depression and I, I actually work in mental health and we hear a lot of like, um, just go outside. 
take a walk, right? Like you can be too scared to go out in days. So you act sick. So your mom doesn't, is like, Oh, can't go to school. So then you can just barricade yourself and not have to go outside. Cause you know, you cannot handle it. If you go outside that day. Exactly. When people are like, well, what is, what is depression or what is anxiety or, you know, things like that. Like the imagery that you're using is, I think it's really useful for young people. I've been in therapy for five years. I'm going to continue to go to therapy because I'm better, but I still struggle with it. And therapy isn't going to instantly make you better. No, this is a struggle. This is marching forward. It's an ongoing thing. But it gives you the tools to deal with the inky monster, inky blobby monster when it rears its ugly head. Yeah. Right. I like to think mine's an inky butterfly because it used to be this big thing, but now, because I was like in this cocoon of depression, but when I got out, this little like inky butterfly was still always fluttering around because it's still there, but it's easier to control now because now you can just swat it. Sometimes it lands on you. Sometimes yeah, sometimes it lands on you and it weighs like a million pounds. One of the other things I wanted to bring up, because we've heard this a lot too, echoing that conversation of like, it's a phase or that's not really who you are. When people have to suppress and repress their identities, it, it does lead to really, really poor mental health outcomes and physical health outcomes. It's not just mental health as we are, you know, learning more and more now. Um, the body is not three separate systems. It's, it's a whole circuit, right? Everything's connected to each other. If your mental health is struggling because you're not allowed to express yourself in certain ways, then your physical health will start to suffer too. People's identities always come out in a way. It's impossible for someone to, you know, and this is my assertion. I don't know this to be a fact, but I do assert that it's impossible for someone to completely repress something so fundamental to who they are as their sexual identity or their gender identity. It's just, it's too much to really truly repress. And, you know, in a previous episode, we had talked about a friend of ours who, you know, was from a very, is still from a very um, conservative culture. Um, similarly, you know, was basically like, that's not you, that's not going to happen. You know, that's not who you are or being threatened to be, um, cut off from, from their family. Um, and so, yeah, they didn't come out. They didn't wear that identity on their sleeve, but that person had frosted tips in their hair. They were the kind of person that's like, don't touch my hair. Their nails done perfectly. Gave off a very, very flamboyant vibe. Like suppressed flamboyant. Like if you'd let that person go, they would be like in the booty shorts and the mesh shirt, like dancing on a, a pride parade float. Mm-hmm. Like that is the vibe that they gave off. Like I'm trying so hard not to be gay, um, but it's got to come out some way. So these are the straightest ways I can be gay. If that makes sense, right? It does make sense. Things that don't register, you know, as like, oh, you're dressing like a girl or this is very, very flamboyantly gay. But basically like the whole package together was like, there's something going on here. You're not comfortable with who you are. So one of the things I did to try to express myself, but low key, um, I would paint my nails the the bi pride color. Um, I got the bi bob, like the bisexual bob. 
like there's just it's that's what it's called it's like this certain bob haircut and i got it i'm looking it up look it up it's i don't regret having that hairstyle i actually am considering maybe getting it again oh ain't it cute it looks it's like cora's hair it's a cora hair yeah it's it's season four cora hair you know who it is it's eleanor shellstra yeah her too from the good place who is by hell yeah eleanor is yeah so is cora yeah cora is too Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you were talking about that, Cora. Oh, my gosh. Remember I found out Cora was bisexual because I'm a big Avatar fan? I lost my shit. You have no idea. I was like, you got to be kidding yeah. me. I knew her and Asami had something. And when I was watching Adventure Time and I found out Princess Bubblegum and Marceline had a thing going on, <laughs> I lost my mind. I was like... I just have to say what's funny about Cora in particular, not her haircut but more like they did play into the trope of cartoon girls be able to take like a knife or like a piece of glass and <laughs> chop their hair off and it's i wish and it looks perfect. gorgeous look at her her hair cora's hair is so awesome just like in uh tangled when what's his face cuts her hair off eugene and, or flynn cuts her hair and it's like the cutest bob you've ever seen even with like freaking Mulan in Mulan when she cut yeah, her hair with, with the, the sword. sword. Everyone just like, how it works. I have a slightly sharp thing and I'm going <laughs> to pull my hair to the side and just whoop, cut it right off and it's going to be perfectly styled all the time. That's not. I really, I really wish to see one of these days, I really would like to see someone do that and be like, oh, this is awful. Like, there are so there are videos on YouTube of women saying, okay, I want to cut my hair because it's really long, but I want to try out the sword or knife thing. And it's really, oh, really? funny because like they're struggling so hard yeah, to it's cut it. Look good. Another thing with my hair is after I turned 18, my mom agreed to let me get my hair, you can't see it because this is a podcast, but I have the ends of a dip dyed a purple, which is, yeah. you know, a prominent color in the bi flag. So that was my sort of way because my mom dyed my hair. So that was my way of going, she'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> that That is a perfect example of what we're talking about is like finding these little ways to express yourself and who you are, because no matter what you do, you can't completely repress it i um i make these little tiny maybe like inch around buttons like i cross stitch them and i put them in these little buttons and it's the it's the pride flag and i put them on certain bags my mom had seen it once and she was like what is it and i said oh it's just the sunset i just have to add an orange circle in the middle from the blue you know like eh, big brain (laughs) but uh she found out what it was and whenever I was getting ready to move, she's like, maybe you should take those off your bags because your roommates might be uncomfortable. And now that's not the case. Like I wear them all the time up here. So it's, it's interesting that your mom would say that. She just cares for me. She doesn't want like my roommates being uncomfortable. Sure, sure. That's absolutely, I, I, I'm not calling your mom's intentions out. What I'm calling out is her thought process about you moving from a small town to a big city moving in with people who are basically your age, who were brought up in this era. Tosha and I are probably a full generation older than you, if not a generation and a half older than you. And so we were just talking about how the Matthew Shepard 
horror happened uh, in 1998. I was graduating college in 1998. So it's, there's a huge generational shift, but a lot of young people now that's front of mind for them, you know, people of your generation and even younger who are now, you know, in middle school, end of elementary school, middle school, high school. It's something that they think about as they're forming their identity. And so what I think is interesting is that your mom wanted you to blend in and not tick somebody off in a big city where nobody knows you. That's another reason I chose Chicago. Like this place is pretty positive. It is way far away from home, but it's not too far away from home. I don't get homesick. I get family sick, but like, it's just, I have family up here. It all just, it just made sense to move up here. Plus whenever I got the chance to transfer, I was like, it is either now or never. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm curious whether you have sort of leaned into your identities more since being in a big city where a, there's a lot more opportunity, obviously. Um, and secondly, there is a bit of anonymity. You don't, nobody knows you, you know, you're driving home from somewhere and no one's going to be like, they're not going to call your parents and say, I saw blah, 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 doing driving down such and such road, which did happen to Kosha and I at various times. So Oof, I'm sorry. You know, it's like, Oh, it's part of what it was for us, but you know, it does, it happens a lot in small towns where it's like the news gets back to you your parents are way too freaking fast before you're even home. What is, what's it been like for you now as you're sort of expanding, able to explore your identity more with the safety of some anonymity? It's been fan fucking tastic. Let me tell you, I can bluntly just say I'm bi. I can attempt to flirt with girls that I find attractive without getting like, a threat. I can wear the clothes I would like to wear where normally I would be like quote unquote slut shamed for it. I can wear my pride pins. There's a Bob's Burgers quote from Tina. She says, I think my heart just pooped its pants. That's what happens to me <laughs> when someone sees a buy pin on my backpack and says, I like your pin. That's pretty bi of you. And that just makes me so happy. It's like my heart did poop its pants because I need I needed that. And it just makes me so happy. And I've been to I've I haven't been to a Pride event, but I have watched them from afar because I'm still a little shy about it. And it just it made me cry watching it, like just observing my first one, because it was just like a sense of wow, here we are. We made it. I'm really glad you liked that quote, Kosha. You really enjoyed that. <laughs> Sorry if that was a little TMI. Just like, that's a valid thing for me. At, like, I haven't seen Bob's Burgers, but every quote and every gift that I have ever seen from Bob's Burgers, I love. So clearly I have to watch the show. Bob's Burgers also helped me a little bit on um, with transvestites because there are transgender and transsexual characters on that show. Like if you do watch, anyone listening, if you watch Bob's Burgers, go on YouTube right now and look up Bob's Burgers, the character Marshmallow, they are amazing. One of the quotes I love to throw around is, mommy doesn't get drunk, she has fun. I love that Linda quote, oh my gosh. 
I relate to Tina on such a emotional level. It's ridiculous. Yeah. What I like about Tina, isn't yes. she just like, she's just like unabashedly, unapologetically herself. Yes, pretty much. Yeah, like she's like her dances and stuff. Yeah. I will twerk like Tina just to piss my sister off. <laughs> she uh, really, she writes, oh, remind me what they call it, Gretchen. Some fan fiction. Fan fiction about what? Friend fiction. Friend fiction, because, that's right. Because she's like gone through all these characters so she does friend fiction which I dabbled in for a little bit after learning about that but I was like no this is too awkward and she's like she's got a crush on this one dude and it's like obsessed with his butt which is like the most like and she, she's in like she's a freshman or something like she's in I think she's in young high school I think she's in eighth grade, eighth grade entering oh. freshman year because her Jean and Louise still like are in the halls with her so I'm assuming she's in eighth grade okay this is this is not a Bob's Burgers podcast so we should <laughs> yeah sorry hey sorry. no one asked you <laughs> I'm leading this conversation I'm the I'm the editor yeah I'm the editor and I, I'm like okay we're gonna edit like five minutes that's a I think that's a really uplifting note avoiding all the Bob's Burgers talk a really I think it's a very uplift. Okay, I'm gonna wait. I shouldn't have said that uh, because then you're gonna laugh. And I want to make it somewhat easy no, for Coach to edit this. Thank you. Aww. I think that's a really uplifting note to end this conversation on, which is you know you've you've gotten out of a place that feels restrictive um, and repressive, and now you're in a place where you're free to sort of figure out what these identities mean to you with safety and, and freedom and safety and um, without judgment. And I know that Kosha and I are just like rooting for you to like find the love of your life and have a fantastic life and have it be amazing and, and never like never have to look back and like have any regrets. You've said a few times you know, that you're still pretty shy or, you know, like you, you, you've done X amount of things to just kind of touch the outsides of, of what it means to be bi or Demi mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Can you tell us why did you choose to do this podcast? Is this a, this is a relatively public platform? And I, we talked about it, but I would love to hear, because I think it's important because you were nervous when we started talking about this. Mm -hmm. Um, when I, when I proposed it. So can you talk a little bit about like why you decided to come on with us? Well, I decided to come on because I thought of two things. One, it'll be good to finally talk about it with people that is not my therapist. And another reason could be someone in my situation could be struggling and this could hopefully give them hope as in you might not have the money, you might not think you're smart enough, but you can get out. You just got to work for it as much as we don't want to. Yeah. That's a very brave thing. Thank you. And coming from a very hard situation, I think it's really important. As she said, we're a good generation or a generation and a half ahead of you. What we want to do is to point out those brave things in our younger folks, because that's going to bolster you to continue to do brave things. And we pass the baton on yeah. to you, right? 
that that's a very brave thing. Hold on, to, hold on to those thoughts. All along those lines, acknowledge just how hard it is for someone in your circumstances to decide to leave their family, their you know their friends, their community, everything you've known, and move to a place that feels really, really different. Kosha and I, you know, alluded to the fact that we grew up in a small town. We weren't from there. We didn't have roots there, obviously. You know, we're mm-hmm. from India. My, our parents are from India. So we didn't have roots in this small town. Um, leaving there was hard because we had friends and had built a community, but we didn't have roots there. So it didn't feel quite as scary to be like, well, now we're going somewhere new. Going somewhere new is what our family did. Like we crossed the ocean to come somewhere new. So going from Illinois to Michigan didn't feel that scary because our parents came from a country but didn't even speak the same language for the most part. And so I want to acknowledge that for young people or any person in a community where things are very tight, they have deep roots, all of their family is there. The idea of leaving is very scary. It is. And you don't typically have any examples to look at to say, oh, this person did it. Or you see examples of people who did it and all you see is how hard it is. Again, that's a very, very brave thing for our listeners who may not understand small town dynamics that that's one of the hardest things to do is to decide to go it alone in a way, Um, which is amazing that you have chosen to do all of the things that you've talked about today. For anyone listening and if you are in the process of getting out of a small town, I know you're going to hear the following of people from your town trying to talk you out of it, saying like the violence that's up there, how high whatever rates are, how are you going to get a job, all this stuff. Don't take that. Here's what I did. I didn't take it discouraging. I I took it as a, you know what, now I'm going to do it even more. (laughs) Like try to own it. Like, yeah, I am moving. So what, Nancy? Like. Come on. And how awesome will I be when I get that job? You'll still be working here in the small ass town. I'm going to Chicago. Suck it. That is so great. That's also really helpful advice, I think, for anyone. Not just who is like, oh, I need, you know, I have these identities I want, I really want to express and learn about who I am, but also just how hard it is to leave a small town and how much there is a gravitational pull to come back and kind of keep the, keep the peace and don't, you know, don't rock the boat and all those things. And it's just so hard to be who you are for most people. In fact, I would say whether you're straight or, or gay or, you know, somewhere else on, on the spectrum, it is very hard to really be yourself in a town where everyone has to fit in, in very specific ways. Do you have any other advice for someone who is either going through your situation or a younger listener who might be just trying to be like, oh, what, who, where, what is my identity? How would I figure that out? Or someone who's like, I know what my identity is, but I am scared to tell people. It's healthy. What I would say, it's healthy to be scared. That's a pretty valid reaction, but don't deny it. And don't try to bottle it up. Try to find a close friend or family member you know you can trust 
with this information, try to find your own Trina. Don't deny what you know is true. Educate yourself on these things. And just know that there is a community somewhere for you. And I'm gonna try not to cry, but just know that you are valid and you are allowed to be scared, but don't be afraid to look for these things. Don't be afraid to just dive head first and figure things out. Don't be afraid to figure shit out. Find more information on this, get educated and drink some water. I think that's good advice for us all. <laughs> so we don't want you to cry because you made it all the way to the end and your mascara looks perfect. So we're gonna turn it around and make it a little bit more with some levity. Yay. So we ask every single one of our guests about what we call, what the word is, is familect, family variety of language. Everyone does it and it's all hilarious. So are there any words like phrases, translations, anything that comes to mind? Um, it's something me and my dad do. We've been doing it for a few years now. And my family hates it. It's just between me and my dad. I don't know how it started, but one day my dad went, Gretchen, and I went, Dad, to like every so often, and we're in different move, rooms, or even if I'm downstairs, he's upstairs, I can hear him, Gretchen, and I'd be like, Dad, and you'll just hear my mom like, shut up, because <laughs> we say it in the most obnoxious voices, and we even do it over text, because it's so funny, because the way we try to spell it out. Oh. <laughs> Because, like, it can get very, like, it can get aggressive and then go hurt. Oh, so it's, like, got different inflections. So if someone saw that text, they would be like, I think your dad is having a stroke. Yeah. <laughs> like, even hearing my dad say it, they would think he's having a stroke. At one point, my grandparents heard us say it, and they asked us if we were, like, okay. That's awesome. <laughs> it's just, oh, that's funny. That is awesome. I love it. Uh, Gretchen, you have been lovely and open and vulnerable, and thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. It was awesome to be with you, lovely ladies. It was awesome to be with you. It's been yes, a joy. absolutely. Have a wonderful time in the great city of Chicago. Go out and wear your bi pins. Go on, be brave. Be brave. We're trying. All right. We'll see right, you soon. Thank huh? you. Bye-bye. See ya. Bye. Bye.